Hey guys, uh, uh, you follow. I'm, I'm only going to read to you one verse. Uh, it's in Romans 12. If I can get my glasses. Um, one text, just one verse. This is not, uh, I don't advise you to do this at home, to take a, a verse out of um, the paragraph. But here it is, verse 10 of chapter 12. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, it endures forever. Guys, I want to begin this morning, not a new series, but but a package, a package of four sermons. Now, I'm not so foolish as to think that you will be here four straight Sundays. A few of you will be, but um, if you're not, we will get interrupted one Sunday because of the Lord's Supper in uh, on the 10th of October, I think. But if you're not, may I just suggest that you try to listen to all four of these sermons uh, online as as you miss them. And and the reason is this. I mean, you know, I don't I don't encourage you to run to the internet to listen to my sermons, but this package of sermons has to do with the future of Grace Evan, at least for the next three to five years or so. And and I I want you to be uh, on the same page with us. And, and so if you if you happen to miss one of them, if you can, um, try to grab it off the. Uh, off the website. I want. I need to start with several little um, introductory. Com- actually, just two. But I, I, I don't know whether I should start with the lesson that I learned or or the context. I, I tell you what. Let's start with the lesson that I learned, and then we'll we'll go to the context. Let me tell you about the lesson that I learned several years ago in a staff meeting. Uh, this was before the recession. This was probably uh, I don't know three five years ago or so. And um, we were having a discussion in the staff, and, and one of the staff members, uh, uh, at that time, at that particular juncture, the financial picture of Gracie Van was was quite rosy. And uh, one of the staff members said, uh, Dr. Young, um, I mean, this is the time that you need to preach on money. And he went on to say, you never preach on money when money's bad. You only preach on money when money's good. Now, guys, Relax. We're not going to talk about money. It's the principle. Because we are going to talk about church unity. But you never talk about church unity when there's division. Because if there's division, you don't want to talk about church unity. I mean, it just, you only talk about church unity when things are harmonious. And let me assure you that the, at least the barometers that I use to measure church harmony, the eldership and the staff, it couldn't be more harmonious than it is now. So in that period, it's a time to talk about church unity. That's the, that's the principle. You never talk about money when money's bad. You never talk about church unity when there's disunity. That's the lesson I learned. Now, let me show you the context of our text. The text is just really verse 10. But you need to see the context into which this is written. Uh, if you've got your Bible still open, I hope so, um, look at verse 4, Romans 12. 
Paul introduces in verse 4 his theology of the church. For as in one body we have many members, and in the and in the members do we not all have the same function, so we throw many, etc., etc. You notice in verse 4, he introduces the term of the body. Gang, Paul's theology of the church is often illustrated by the metaphor of a body. There's a, there's a lot of information communicated about what he thought the church should be in that that metaphor of a body. Like a body. You know, a body with all the various parts of it. And you got all these different things in the body. And when they when they all work well, they produce this wonderful unified thing, you know? And so he uses the body to illustrate what the church should be like. And um, he wants us to learn several things, uh, understand several things about the church by using this metaphor of a body. And the primary lesson behind this image of a body, the primary lesson, is that the church is interconnected. We are interrelated. We are interdependent. We are interreliant. Let me say it rather crudely. You need me. And I need you. Because we're interrelated. We're interconnected. And, and when all the members of this body function well, man, isn't life grand? Everything's just going really good because all the little member things are doing their job. But if one of the little parts of this thing decides, eh, you know, I've had enough, I'm going to take off a week, then this thing gets very ill. It's like that in the church of Jesus Christ. When all of its various parts... And by the way, you'll notice in the context, he goes on from verse 4, beginning in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy, if service, if exhortation. And he lists some of the various gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to the church. And he says, when everybody is using those gift things, that God the Holy Spirit gave them, oh, the body, church, the body is healthy. But when somebody decides, eh, <laughs> no, I'm not, uh, when, when they don't play their God-given role, their God-gifted role, The church gets sick. 
The church is ill. She, um, she can't do what, you know, she had a tennis match this afternoon, but she can't play because she's ill. Because certain parts of the body of Christ are not functioning the, the way that they're supposed to function. Now, guys, that's the context, okay? The context of the verse that I want us to look at this morning. Actually, we're going to look at it this week and next week, Lord willing. I want to draw your attention back to verse 10. And there is embedded in that text something that I want you to see. And then we'll come back and look at the rest of the text next week. But there's something embedded in verse 10 that said twice that is very, very important. Look at it. It says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Did you see it? It's in there twice. It's um, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do you see it? Do you see that, that term one another found twice in the same text? Now, guys, that term one another is found scores of times in the New Testament. Trust me, get yourself a, a, a concordance and look it up. Scores, if not hundred. Well, not scores is probably the better word. And it and it mentions twenty three. That by my count, twenty three different functions that are supposed to take place amongst us. You'll see in Romans 12.10, there's two that's mentioned. One of them is love one another. And you can imagine how many times that gets said in the New Testament, particularly by the writings of, of John. In, uh, John in um, 1 John 3.11, 3, 3.23, 4.7, 4.11, 4.12, and in 2 John 5, six times he says, love one another. And he's not the only one. Paul says it right in our text. But guys, that's only one of the 23 functions that are supposed to occur in this body that is interconnected. Um, Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. 14, 13, do not pass judgment on one another. Uh, 15, 7, welcome one another. 15, 14, instruct one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. Ephesians 4, 2, bearing with one another. Ephesians 4, 32, be kind to one another. 5, 21, submitting to one another. Colossians 3, 9, do not lie to one another. Colossians 3, 13, forgiving one another. 3, 16, admonishing one another. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, abound in love for one another. Verse uh, 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, encourage one another. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 11, do not speak evil of one another. 5, 9, do not grumble against one another. Verse 16, confess your sins to one another. 
pray for one another. First um, Peter 4, show hospitality to one another. Verse 10, serve one another. First Peter 5, 5, uh, have humility towards one another. You'll like this one, uh, 5.14, greet one another with a kiss. Um, and on and on it goes, guys. 23 different functions. Uh, Let me back up. 23 different commands. Commands that are supposed to be performed among us. To the point that, um, oh, years ago, books were being written. One book I remember was entitled, One Anothering. 23 different functions, at least, are supposed to be going on amongst us because, you see... We are interconnected, interrelated, interdependent. Now, guys, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to tease out three implications of what it means to one another to do that thing of one anothering. I want to just tease out what that might mean among us things that that are implied by all of these one anothering commands that we find in the new testament okay three implications of one anothering and and you'll notice the one another i found i i'm i'm drawing out of romans 12:10 he says it twice <clears throat> but it's found scores of times Mentioning 23 different things. I just want to show you some implications of that whole idea that is so central to Paul's theology of the church. With me? Sleep yet? Hang in there. Three implications. Implication number one. In terms of one anothering... You cannot do it in your bathrobe, sitting on a couch with a cup of coffee with a television on. The whole idea of TV church is out of the question. Membership and a local expression of the body of Christ is required. Oh, Jimmy, you don't mean that, do you? I mean, goodness gracious, you're sounding like a Baptist. Jimmy, you, um, I mean, you mean really we gotta, we're supposed to join a church? Well, let me, let me, let me do this. <clears throat> let me answer your question by telling you a story. Did I ever tell you the story about how I single-handedly killed the singles ministry here at Gracie Van? Did I ever tell you how I did that? Um, single-handedly, I killed it. Let me tell you that story. The six years before God asked me to start this thing, um, I did singles at Central Church. Most of you know that. And I I loved it. It was six happy ministerial years. 
Um, I love singles. I love singles ministry. I still love singles. And um, <clears throat> when you when you hang around singles a lot, you you find that there's frequently a a longing on their parts for a meaningful relationship, marriage. Not in all of them, but in in most of them, there's this longing for something, some meaningful, intimate relationship, and and to be married. But the problem was, as you might well expect, the problem was commitment. You know, like you see on the Bud Light commercials, where the guy can can hardly say, "I," you know, he can't he can't quite get it out. You know, he can't, you know, he can't say it because of a commitment phobia. And by the way, it wasn't only guys. There were some girls, but the guys were the worst. There was a commitment phobia, and consequently, people thought, well, not me, I'm not going to do that, because if I do that, then I'm, I'm, I'm caged in, I can't get out, I mean, it might be a better option. No, no, no. And so commitment was a very hard thing among singles. So when we started this church, uh, because of that previous ministry, several singles wanted to be a part of this new church plan. And so they came to this church and we had a singles Bible study. And I loved it. It would met out at Mickey and Michelle Hill's home out on Rocky Point. And I mean, we'd have 70, 80 singles every Tuesday night on a Bible study, depending on the subject. I mean, if I was talking about relationships, my goodness, we'd have 125 singles out there. I mean, then you just crammed in there and... And, um, and, and there were singles from all over the city, various churches, you know. And so I kept hearing this commitment to, you know, nobody wants to make a commitment, you know, all that business. And so finally, after eight or ten years of hearing that, here's what I did. I, the Bible study met on a Tuesday night and I said to the Bible, I said to the group that was there, I said this. I said, okay. Those of you who are not a part of Gracie Van, do not come back to this Bible study ever again. Don't come back. Go back to your churches and practice commitment. Practice commitment that may allow you or enable you to get better at it so that you can make a commitment that will lead to marriage. Go back to your churches and practice commitment. They said, oh, Jimmy, we don't want to go. I mean, our, our church is boring and we don't like the music at our church. And I said, I understand, I understand. But go back to your church and commit yourself to your church with all of her warts, all of her wrinkles, all of her problems, all of her flaws, and learn what commitment is. You know, recently, um, I say recently, probably in the last five to seven years, something, a phenomenon on um, on ESPN. I mean, I, I don't remember this happening years ago, but in the last five or seven years, they had these these uh, worldwide poker tournaments. And and I don't I don't much watch I don't watch much of those things, but every now and then, you know, it'll get stuck right there, and and um, there'll be this very tense moment and. And this guy, I think he's got a real good hand and he'll be looking around and, and all of a sudden he'll say, all right, I'm all in. And he'll take all his chips and he'll shove them in very dramatically and, and the, the broadcaster, oh, it's, he's all in. 
And what I was saying to these singles is, go back to your church. And it's time. It's time to get all in. Yes, she's got warts. Yes, she's got wrinkles. Yes, she has problems. But learn how to commit yourself to something, even though it's not perfect. And perhaps then, you'll learn how to commit yourself to a woman or a man who's not perfect. Go practice commitment in your church. And maybe that'll help you in intimate relationships later. Because I'm suggesting, ladies and gentlemen, commitment. Commitment in marriage is a lot like commitment in a church. You know, I know you're going to find this hard to believe. (laughs) But, you know, I I bet you there's some things that Susie Young doesn't like about me. (laughs) Can you imagine that? I mean, I can't imagine what they are, but... (laughs) But I'm sure there's a couple. But it's commitment that keeps the marital relationship from splintering. And I kept telling these singles that commitment is the door to to relational freedom. It's It's the door to relational intimacy. It's the door to meaningful relationships. And I'm saying to you again, ladies and gentlemen, I think the same phobia of commitment exists in some of you. That is, commitment to a church. Oh, but that church, you know, I don't like this and I don't like that and that and that. Yeah, yeah. And what we're supposed to do is in spite of the flaws, I pray, I seek God's guidance and counsel. And then when I've done my job, it's time to get all in, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to get all in. Because commitment is the door to meaningful, intimate relationships. You know, guys, if you go back to this body metaphor that Paul uses about the church, there's no such thing as an almost body part. You're either a body part or you're not. And ladies and gentlemen, in terms of the church of Jesus Christ, you are either a body part or you're not. And some of this dabbling and trifling on the periphery of what God is up to in the advance of the kingdom of Christ, I think arises, I don't know, I guess I could put a nice spin on it and simply say, a fear of commitment maybe? Do your homework. Pray. 
him and God's led you. It's time to get all in. Because that's when we can obey 23 other commands about one anothering. Okay, that's the first implication. Here's the second implication, guys, of those 23 one anothering commands. Um, we live today in, in the probably the most individualistic culture ever in the history of man. And we have we've we've come to the well, as a result of our living in an individualistic culture, we underestimate the power of community in character development. That is, I'm suggesting, guys, that character development, my soul being nourished, takes place in community. You know, guys, um, your belief system, the, the one that you have right now, the, your whole belief system, is much more the product of relationships than it is reason. And we don't like to admit that. We like to think that we're very rational people, you know, we're very thoughtful and we like to think through things and, and, uh, and then come to a conclusion. I'm telling you guys, your beliefs or beliefs are made far more plausible when they are taught to you by people that you like and who like you back. People who, um, people who you admire and admire you back. That's where things get formed, ladies and gentlemen. You know, from time to time, I mean, this doesn't happen as much as I wish it did. But from time to time, people come to us as, as the staff and they, they say something like this. They say, um, Grace Evan has changed my life. I, I wish they said it more, but from time to time, they say that. Now tell me, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think they're saying? Are they saying, yeah, by, uh, by coming to those, uh, those Sunday morning worship services and, you know, dabbling with a couple of programs y'all got, it's changed my life. Do you think they're saying that? I don't. What they're saying is because of the give and take and interaction of human spiritual relationships that I have found there at Grace Evan, it has changed my life. Guys, if your primary experience, or if your primary way of experiencing church, any church, including this one, if your primary way of doing it is this, then uh, you may get inspired, and I and I and I, I hope you do. You may even feel better without actually getting better, guys. Um. It is in community. It is through the give and take of human relationships that 
character development takes place. Not in a little 25-minute ditty that you get from Dr. Young every every Sunday morning. Gang, um, we essentially become like the people that we hang out with. And by the way, the New Testament makes that observation. In 1 Corinthians 15, um, bad company ruins good morals. Well, if that's true then good company establishes good morals. We essentially become like the people that we hang out with. Show me who you hang out with. And I'll be able to describe your value system pretty closely. We become like the people with whom I'm willing to open my soul and my heart. We become like the people with whom I interact on a deep spiritual level. So don't underestimate the power of community in the process of character development. And here's my final... um, implication of this whole one or anothering process is at the center of Paul's theology of the church. It's mentioned scores of times in the New Testament, 23 different functions that are that are specified. Guys, if it is that important in the New Testament, if community is that important than anyone who damages that community is inviting God's greatest displeasure. Guys, have you ever heard the text in Proverbs 6? It's pretty alarming. It's a pretty alarming text. Proverbs 6, and it goes like this. Six things the Lord hates, yea, a seventh. The one who sows discord among brothers. Now, did you notice what that text said? It doesn't say God hates the sowing of discord. He doesn't say that. The text says God hates the one Who sows the discord? Not just the activity. He ain't the one doing the activity. So my friend, if that's, um, if that's you, then I've, I've got some bad news for you. God hates you. I didn't make that up. Proverbs chapter 6. Go take a look. Guys, that's not the only place it's found. It's, you know, in Jesus on three different occasions says if you uh, cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better for you to hang a millstone around your neck and walk into the sea. Let me read you this one. 
This is found in, in Titus um, chapter 3. Listen. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Listen. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. <laughs> Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Titus chapter 3 verses 9 through 11. Now, now, do you understand why you never talk about unity when there's disunity? But guys, this is something that must be guarded, prized, defended, protected among us. And if you're a part of this thing called grace event, community is where I can obey at least 23 commands, if not more. It's the where my it's the place where my soul is developed and I'm made more like Jesus Christ. And it is so prized by the by the New Testament that I'm going to defend it with all that's in me. And so am I. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. It's time to get all in. Guys, the New Testament, but Paul particularly, in this metaphor that he uses of the body, requires this one anothering to be a part of the ongoing functions that exist among us. And for that to happen, you gotta move all in. It's, it's, it's time to stop dabbling at the periphery because the one whose soul is drying up is yours. Because you're afraid to commit yourself to something? Is that what it is? I don't know. Maybe there's other reasons, but is that it? Guys, um, it is for this church, not just Grace of Anne, but this church of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for her. You knew that, didn't you? Can I read you this? Some of the most stirring words found in the New Testament, in my opinion. Listen, this is about us. This is about us. Listen, this is what our Savior thinks about us. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, 
that she might be holy and without blame. That's us. Guys, we are charged with the responsibility of one anothering one another. Jesus gave himself for that bunch of people. And that, that, my friends, is a part of the future of Grace Evangelical Church. I can tell you this, my friend. If you have never received Jesus Christ and still think, if you're so so still benighted as to think that your merit is, some going to, is somehow going to allow you to enter heaven, you've been duped by the devil. The only way you enter into this thing called the body of Christ is by trusting in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. If you haven't done that, it's time to get all in. Our Father, I I do pray that you will um, so smile upon Grace Evan that we could continue to enjoy the richest sweetnesses of loving one another and confessing our sins to one another and bearing one another's burdens and doing all these things for which we are charged with a responsibility to do. And Father, for those who continue to dabble around the periphery of things, would you show them that their souls are shrinking as a result of their their refusal, their unwillingness, for whatever sets of reasons, that their character suffers because uh, of the very thing that you have made available to develop our character is being neglected by them. And then finally, oh God, if you will, if you will open the eyes of those who are here without Christ, just like you did Lydia, you opened her eyes to see and understand the gospel. Will you open theirs? Because if you don't, they'll never see it. Do that for Jesus' sake, in whose name we pray.